0: It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Hallelujah. Second Kings chapter 5, tonight. As we study the Word, how many love to study the Word? Now we've been looking at some of the precepts and principles of receiving from God. Last week, we looked at Joshua chapter 1, how you make your way prosperous, and that way you have good success. Everybody say, I make my way prosperous. Amen. Amen. You make your way prosperous, and you have good success. Now, first of all, let me just say this. It is the will of God that you receive from Him. Let me say that again. A lot of people, now, we say that, we say that here, you know, here at Island Church, and we, uh, uh, you know, rehearse it over and over. But a lot of times people, they, they, they have a hard time just understanding that it is the will of God that you receive. Now you say, well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean receive? Well, if you're a sinner, it says will you receive salvation, that you be saved. That when you die, you don't go to a sinner's hell, you go to heaven and be with Jesus. That's the will of God. Secondly, you're sick in your body. It's the will of God that you be healed. You say, well, how can you say that, Pastor? Because of the price God paid to get you healed, which was Jesus Christ taking a horrible beating, His body being broken, so that you through that suffering, He might be healed. You might be healed. It's not the will of God that you live impoverished. You said, well, I thought poverty was a blessing. You ain't been poor enough yet. It's not. It's a curse. People die because of poverty. Children starve to death because of poverty. Whole nations go into turmoil because of poverty. You say, well, I, I, I thought that, that, that men of God and women of God should take vows of poverty. Where's that in the Bible? I took me a vow of prosperity. I found out it costs money to preach the gospel. Amen? And anyway, most people that take those vows of poverty—that's not true anyway. Some of the religions that do, some of the richest religions in the world—it's just a—it's just a facade, is all that it is. It's the will of God that you be happy and have joy, Amen. that you not be depressed or addicted or, or oppressed with the. Depre- it's the will of God that you have joy, that you have a life worth living. It's the will of God. Now, you would think, say, well, if that's all the will of God, why don't it just happen? Well, the reason it doesn't just happen is because God has to have legal access to you because you are living on a planet in which is a fallen realm. Amen. So He has to have your permission to do it. He doesn't save people that don't want to be saved. He doesn't heal people that don't want to be healed. He don't bless people that don't want to be blessed. He, he wants the willing. Remember what it said in Isaiah, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the fat of the land. So you have to learn, number one, not only how to receive, but how to be willing to receive. Now, we're, you know, we taught, how how long do we teach on healing? Quite a few months, three or four months we taught on healing. And in in going over some notes that I have and some listening to some teaching here recently, we should never in the church have to have a healing crusade or a healing meeting. You say, well, why do we? Well, because God has mercy on people and wants to touch and bless people. But in the church, we should never have to have healing meetings. We should never have to have it. You say, why not? Because the church should be healed all the time. It should be healed all the time. Now, that doesn't mean the enemy won't attack your body. That doesn't mean, uh, you know, you might not, uh, you know, suffer an injury or something like that might happen. But it is the will of God that His church be healed all the time. Actually, I like to say it like this. The will of God for the church is divine health. Which means you don't need to be healed. You say, then what are the gifts of the Spirit and all that's for? Well, that's what what one preacher called the dinner bell. You start getting people healed, I'm telling you, they'll start coming from everywhere and celebrating God's healing power, getting born again because of it. But then other areas of your life, God wants you to receive from Him, but here's what you'll find out about God. He has a way in which you have to receive from Him, so you can't can't receive your way. Don't get amens on that one, do we? (laughs) Because everybody wants God to get in their box. Come get in my box, do it my way. Now let me say this, and then we'll go on. Everything that God desires to do in your life, He desires to do it to catapult you into a place that you will be not in the place that you used to be before you had the problem. Everything you receive from God, it is His will and desire that He maximize the potential of that blessing in your life to put you into a greater arena of service in the kingdom of God. God's not going to heal your liver so you can go back and drink a quart of vodka a day. He's not going to go heal your lungs so you can go you know, puff a quarter, quarter pound of weed a month. He's not going to do that. That does not glorify God. That does not promote the kingdom. He delivers and heals so that you will advance in the kingdom and be more successful in the kingdom than you were before you had the problem. I like to say it like this. Here you are with the problem, and in your mind, the answer from God, you see yourself before you had the problem. But that's not what's in God's mind. God sees you over here in a place in which you will never be subject to that problem again. He wants to deliver you into another place. So you have to be willing to allow God to do His work the way He desires to do His work, to impart unto you information, to give you inspiration, and then to bring the demonstration of His power into your life so that you can know that God has done something for you. Now, here in 2 Kings, this is a unique chapter. It's the healing of a man outside the covenant of God. At that time in history, when 2 Kings was written, there was only one nation on the planet that actually had access to God, and that was the nation of Israel. They had a covenant with God. It was a covenant that began with Abraham. In reality, you can kind of trace it back to Noah. You could talk about Noah's covenant, but in reality, it is the Abrahamic covenant that brought Israel into being out of Abraham, out of Isaac out of Jacob, out of all of those, Israel came. And God cut covenant with them. With Abraham, He did it with Moses, He did it with a nation in the desert. I mean, there was no denying that these were God's people. They were delivered from Egypt supernaturally. They were led by a cloud, of, of, of kept them cool in the day, fire by night. They were fed manna in the wilderness. They were God's people. So they had access to God, but it was limited access. Everybody say limited access. The average Joe like me and you, the average Joe or Jane, I guess we could say, couldn't just get on their knees and say, oh God. That did not happen back then. What happened was there was a priesthood. Everybody say a priesthood. There was a priesthood that over a bleeding sacrifice, there was access to God and then through the ministry of a prophet, God had access to them. You understand that? Therefore, their limited access caused them to have limited revelation, limited blessing, but they flourished in the limited blessing. But it also caused judgment to come on them every time they got themselves outside the, the, the boundaries or the perimeters of the covenant. Automatically, judgment would come upon them. Amen. You say, why? Because sin demands judgment. So, whenever you're connected with God like that, in a covenant like that, then every time you do something wrong, you violate the covenant. But we have a better covenant based on better promises. Which means when you mess up, you have somebody called an advocate with the Father. His name is Jesus, whose blood is upon the mercy seat, who will take and restore you right back into fellowship so that the covenant of God can keep working in your life. But now the big problem that we have is there, we've been teaching on receiving, there are things that we do that isolate us and alienate us and segregate us from the blessings of God, that keep us from receiving from God. Now, it's amazing that God used this story to kind of bring out a bunch of them to help us understand there is a way to receive from God. Now, notice what it says. Verse 1, 2 Kings chapter 5. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master, accepted and acceptable. I'm reading that in the Amplified. Let me get back over in the King James. Now, Naaman was captain of the host of the king of Syria, great man, with his master, honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. Now, now you would read right there, say, well, well, right there, God was doing something for Syria only because it pertained to Israel. That's the only reason he gave victory to Syria is because he was using it to deal deal with Israel. Now, notice, this man had position, everybody say position, and authority. But his position and authority did not keep him from getting leprosy. And that day, there was no known cure. If you had leprosy, they considered there was a curse upon your life. So even though he was a great man, a great general, uh, had all these accolades in his life, had the favor of the king, here he was, suffering and dying with leprosy. Now, uh, the story goes on and says, And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away a captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid. Everybody say, a little maid. She waited on Naaman's wife. She said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Everybody say, reputation. So this is Elijah that's being talked about. So obviously there was a reputation In Samaria, of Elisha having a healing ministry. I mean, this little maid would just say, well, you know, maybe. She said, no, no, man. I'm telling you, if our man, if Naaman, if he could get over there to to the prophet, he'd get healed. Now, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So obviously, information about God's healing power is his word. Now, I'm going to tell you why a lot of people don't get healed is they don't have any information on healing. Listen, if you're attacked with a major sickness or disease, you need to saturate yourself in information that has to do with healing. I mean, there are books by F.F. Bosworth. There are books by Teal Osborne. There's books by uh, uh, E.W. Kenyon. There's books by Kenneth E. Hagan. I mean, you can just get those. You can get CDs. You can, Listen, you can, you can just inundate yourself with information. What the problem is, most people do just the opposite. They inundate themselves with information on the disease. They get on the internet. They go to this doctor. They go to that doctor. They go to this specialist. Next thing you know, they're overwhelmed by the reports of the doctors. Now, we're not against doctors. We love doctors. Now, let me say this about medicine. There are times you need to run to medicine. There are other times you need to run from medicine. You say, what are you talking about? Listen, medicine can keep, keep you alive till faith takes hold. But if you know that you know that you know that you're healed, you cannot go back to medicine just because you have a little setback. We've seen one of the, one of the, one of the, tragedies we saw years ago when a church we were a part of was first being formed. Uh, Brother Bobby probably remembers this. Dad remembers this. Maybe some of you others. The, the, the church was, was small, had, had gone from a funeral home to a, to a, to a, a wine garden center. We'd gone in there and, and put up some chairs and built out some walls. And, and, and a couple came who had a little daughter who had leukemia. And, uh, uh, man, I'm telling you, they came to the church, and our pastor ministered to that little girl, and she was healed. The doctor said, we cannot find any of that blood disease in her body. It is not there. It is not there. But then the doctor said this, but we need to go ahead and give her the treatments. So that, that, that they let her, they let that, uh, that family, let those doctors treat that girl for six or seven weeks with real strong chemotherapy treatment. And she died of pneumonia. Well, if you don't have something, why take the treatment? Amen? You say, what do you mean by that? There has to be an impartation of the wisdom of God when it comes to God's healing power. Especially when it comes to diseases like like, uh, 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 cancer and and diabetes and things that, you know, arthritis, people have to take medication. people, People come and say, Pastor, I feel like I've been healed. Should I continue to take my medication? If you have to ask me, you need to continue to take it. How would we get off on this? It's good anyway. But remember the woman with the issue of blood. She had suffered many things of many physicians, was nothing better but rather grew worse. So you have to judge yourself on your own level of faith, your own level of information, and you have to hear in your spirit. That's why it's so important to walk close to God. I've had several struggles physically in my body. There's been times the Lord spoke to me and said, go to the doctor. There's been times when the Lord spoke to me and said, stand in faith. There's been times the Lord said, go to this meeting, have somebody lay hands on you. There's been, I remember one time, I'd gotten, I don't know what I did to my back, but my back was, was, was messed up. And we've always had real grace in our ministry to, to lay hands on people with back problems. But i am tell you, I was just hurting. And back then, uh, our church had built its first building. And I was meeting with the pastor every Saturday that I was home. And we were praying together in the, in the, uh, uh, in the auditorium. And so I was walking around, and we were about halfway. I was like here, and he was all the way in the back. And as I was walking, the Lord spoke to me and said, Go have him lay hands on you, and you'll be healed instantly. I went and had him lay hands on me. I was healed instantly. Amen? So you have to have wisdom when it comes to healing, and you have to hear from God. And you can't get healed on my faith. And you can't get healed on your next door neighbor's faith. you got to get healed on your own faith. And whatever level of faith you may be on, God will make sure that his healing power is working for you on whatever level you are, if you'll just believe him. Now, here was Naaman, and this is his only option. We don't know of any hospitals. We don't know of anything that was going on in that day and hour that could do anything for lepers. Most lepers in Israel were literally put outside the city, lived in the garbage dumps. I mean, they were pretty much done. Amen. But now there's information. Man, there's a man in in Samaria. He can get you you healed. Now notice what happened. Uh, It said, And and, and one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and, and ten cha- changes of arrangement. Now listen, this guy was willing to do what it takes. Everybody say, do what it takes. You say, what do you mean by that? Are you, are you, do you want to get healed enough to do what it takes physically? Maybe go get yourself checked out by a doctor. Find out what you're fighting. To do what you should be doing spiritually. And to do what you should be doing. You say, what? Maybe exercising a little bit. Maybe eating right. Doing things that you know to do. This guy was, I'm telling you, this is probably all he knew to do was gather up his wealth, gather up ten raiments, and take off. And he goes to the king. Everybody say the king. King says, I'm going to write a letter. And now Naaman, here it says in verse 6, he said, I brought the letter to the king of Israel. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel. Now when the letter is coming unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee that thou mayest recover him of leprosy. So the king of Syria wrote a letter to the king of Israel and thought the king of Israel was going to get the guy healed. Now let me just say this. I was studying this this afternoon and the Lord spoke to me. And I've really never considered this, but we must consider this. When it comes to receiving from God, whether it be physical, whether it be financial, whether it be for the will of God in your life, no matter what it is, there's a great drama the devil wants to start. I mean, he wants to start a drama. He wants to pull in all kinds of variables, all kinds. It's really just simple. I need to be healed of leprosy. Now you got the king of Syria involved. Now you got the king of Israel involved. Now you got all these people involved, and you got this big old drama going on. I'm going to show you in a minute how that, how that plays out. So here he comes to the king of Israel. Verse 7, it says, it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter, he rent his clothes, he tore his clothes, and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that the, man, that, that the man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Therefore I consider, I pray you, see how he sendeth a quarrel against me. Now, this is why you can't get involved in the drama. Because the king of Israel, can you imagine handing somebody a letter, they read it they rip their clothes off? <laughs> that's what he did. He was angry, he was mad. And then he begins to say this, You're the king of Syria trying to pick a fight with me. Well, that's not the issue at all. He misinterpreted what the letter said, he misread it, and now the drama has what? It's grown. Amen? You got, the, you got the king of Israel. You got the king of Syria. You got Naaman the leper. You got all his wealth that he's bringing with him. You got all this going on. And now notice, he shows up where? Notice what it says. And it was so that when Elijah, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Now everybody say this, God's way. Now this is God's way. Elisha sent a message. He said, now "Forget all that politics. Forget all that drama. Just send him to me." God, let me. Oh, this is so good. If you don't get anything, like get this, God has a way of simplifying your situation, no matter who has tried to complicate it. I mean, the doctors try to complicate it. Your mother-in-law tries to complicate it. The next-door neighbor tries to complicate it. Everyone around you, everybody has their opinion. Everybody has an idea. Some people think it's a fight. Some people think it's this. Listen, God has a way of melting all that away and just say, come to Jesus. Just come to Jesus. Just come to the Lord. Now, notice this. And Elijah sent a messenger unto him, saying... Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Everybody say this with me divine instruction. This is what God says, and this is how God says do it. Now, Elisha doesn't even get off the couch, he doesn't even put down the remote. There's a knock on the door. His servant goes and says, hey, there's somebody out here with a whole bunch of people and he looks really important and he's standing at the door and Elisha says, well, I've been praying on the Holy Ghost all morning. God told me what's going to go happen. So I want you to go tell him to go dip in the Jordan River seven times and he'll be clean. His going to come back to him. Everybody say God's way. Now, isn't that simple? But what has happened? A great drama has developed. The king of Syria, the king of Israel, this and that, and all that kind of stuff. And listen, we're not going to teach on this tonight, but if you want to study the chapter and read on through the end of the chapter, you'll see where Gehazi got involved in that drama and it cost him. He ended up with the leprosy that Naaman had. Why? He got caught up in the drama. So here's this big drama. So he thinks God is going to put on a big performance. I was listening to a testimony of a guy healed the other day. And he said, you know, I, he, he thought yeah, he was watching people fall under the power and laying on the floor. He said, God just walked by him and just touched him and said, Be healed in Jesus' name. Kept on going. He said, I didn't feel nothing. I didn't see nothing. He said, I not sick as I was when I left as I came. He said, the next day I felt a, little, felt a little better. He said, the next day I felt a little better after that. He said, next thing you know, a week went by and I had forgotten I was sick. That's called being healed. See, so many times we seek for the spectacular, but God rules and reigns in the supernatural. Amen. So, so isn't that he, anybody can do this? Go dip in the Jordan River, seven. Anybody, seven dips. Everybody say seven dips. But Naaman, the next verse, what is that? Verse eleven. But Naaman was wroth. Everybody say wroth. That means angry. Let me read this in the, I like it amplified. Naaman was angry and went away. That's where people, you know, this is where uh, this happen, This is so common. They come, they hear the answer, they go away mad. They come, they hear the answer, they go away, go away mad. Why? Because they got this big drama in their life with all these players. And instead of allowing God to simplify it. Oh, this happens all the time with prosperity. People come in, can't pay their bills. Rents do. This is happening. That's happening. I don't know what I'm going to do. Need money for college. Need money for this. Need money for that. So they come to Island Church. And they think, man, I'm going to get a miracle. And then all of a sudden we get up and we take an offering instead of give an offering and we talk about tithing, and we talk about giving. They're like, I didn't come here to give you something. I came here to get something, and I've seen them. Man, I remember the first time I started teaching on giving over in Ireland, I literally had one church we preached in. It was a long building about as wide as the two center, center aisles, and it went back probably about all the way to where the parking lot starts, and you had to, the way you came in and went out was stairs that went up right by the pulpit. And I'm telling you, I had people that would stomp out of there. And go up them stairs. Boom, 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 boom. Slam that door. Boom. I say, bless them, Lord. They'd get so angry, get so mad at the answer. Now notice how simple the answer was. Go dip in the Jordan River seven times. God's not going to, listen, I found this out years ago. Every issue of your life, anybody have issues Every issue of your life is complicated. We are complicated people with complicated problems, with complicated personalities, with a complicated marriage and complicated kids, the complica- complicated husbands, complicated wives, complicated dogs and cats. We have complicated jobs in complicated cities. We drive complicated vehicles. It's all very complicated. So if God had only provided a complex, all he provides is a complicated answer For your complicated problem, you'd never get it. So what does he provide? A simple answer. A simple answer. A simple answer. Everybody say a simple answer. Everybody say this. My answer is not complicated. Say it again. Say my answer is not complicated. It's a simple answer. Glory to God. Now he's mad. He's mad and went away, leaves the church. And he said, Here we go, Are you ready? Behold, I thought. There you go. What does it say in Proverbs 3? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not unto your own understanding. Behold, I thought. Behold, I thought. Listen, if I'd have held on to my thoughts, I'd have never married Leah. She was not, quote, my type. Young men understand that. Anybody know what your type is? What my type. You ain't my type. Amen. I thought. Everybody say, I thought. But I'm telling you, God corrected me and said this. She's my type for you. So quickly, she became my type. We're the two most opposite people you ever meet on the planet. But, everybody say but. If you're going to receive from God, you will find out that the simplicity of his answers are not going to agree with what you think. So whatever you're thinking right now, that ain't it. Because we think we can figure out God. We think we can figure out how he's going to do This guy here, he had it all. Yeah, listen, listen, listen to the rest of it. He went out away, went away mad, went away wroth. said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me, stand and call on the name of his God... And strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not the Arbada and Parfar rivers of Damascus better than the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he went away in a rage. So he's hollering this. Because in a rage, you lose control of your emotions. You're not whispering, saying. You're, say, you're going around saying, hey man, I, what's the deal? Go dip in the Jordan seven times. I thought, I thought the man was going to come out, lay his, put his hand on the leprosy and get me healed and he tells me to go dip in the dirty Jordan River. We got better rivers all over Syria. Come on. That's what he's doing. And then he went away in a rage. He's acting out his anger. Anger keeps many people from receiving from God. And a lot of people don't realize that it is your anger many times that estranges you from the ability of God and the power of God because you hang on to your thoughts and when something goes against the grain of your thoughts, you get mad. That ain't the way I'd do it. Amen? Now, has anybody here ever been mad? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Anger is a force that can disconnect your brain from your tongue, from your feet, and from your fist. Anybody ever said anything you wish you wouldn't have said when you were angry? Anybody ever done something you wish you wouldn't have done Uh, when you were angry? Went somewhere you wish you wouldn't have gone? You know, I mean, we could go on and on and on. Anger will take you over. That's why the Bible says, be angry and sin not. Actually, if you study that, it's saying, when you get angry, stop your anger and you will not sin. Then it says this, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Because people, many times, this happens to men a lot. They live in a perpetual state of anger. You say, why? Because they let the sun go down on their wrath. And when you let the sun go down on your wrath, you drag your anger into seed time and harvest, and your angry words become seeds. You can ask, ask my wife. We've, we've counseled with people before, with little children, little three- and four-year-old children, and they would look at us in these counseling sessions and say, Why? Why? Why are our children so angry? They're angry at each other. They're angry at us. And Lee and I would just look at each other and go, Hmm, I wonder why. Angry words are spoken in your house. You let the sun go down upon it. Seeds are sown. They're sown into your children. They're sown sown all around. Listen, anger will keep you from receiving from God. Now let me say this. Many times anger is the band-aid over a hurt But the adhesive on the band aid, Breeland, when she was little, we put a band aid on her. And, buddy, I'm telling you, when it came to take that band, time to take that band aid off, you would have thought you were going to saw her arm off. (laughs) Remember, she took off running, screaming. No! Because a lot of times the wound's not near as bad as when you rip the band aid off. So the adhesive on the band-aid of anger over your hurt is pride. That's why it hurts to admit you were wrong. I was wrong. That's why it hurts to admit, I got angry and blew it. That's why it hurts to admit, shouldn't have done that. Come on, church. Getting quiet in this Sunday school class this evening. Now, let me, show it. let me show it to you right here. And his servants came near and spoke unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had to bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou have not done it? How much rather when he said, To thee, wash and be clean. Now, everybody say servant. Now, let me tell you who you're, com- I'm, I'm, I'm one of your servants as your pastor, but you've got a greater servant than me named the Holy Ghost. And he's on the inside of you and he will reveal and show you why the things of God are not working in your life. Now, when this servant said this to him, what he did, what he, he or she did, they went to the place of that adhesive, of that pride. Well, if he'd have told you to go out and whip some army, if he'd have told you to go out and win some great victory, if he'd have gone out and told you to climb some mountain or or to sail some ocean, boy, you'd have done it. You know why? Because then your answer would have been connected to your performance. I'll tell you how I got healed. Instead of, let me tell you how God healed me. Come on. I don't know why it keeps going towards healing, but it is. Amen. Verse 14. He said then he went down and dipped in the Jordan seven times according to the saying of the man of God and his flesh came again unto the flesh like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. It worked. Everybody say it worked. It worked. Now let me ask oh my time's up there was no way God was going to let him be a part of this apart from go dip in the river seven times. Now, the the rest of the story is about Gehazi going and chasing after the chariot and, and basically lying and taking the offering, taking the money. And the reason that God did not allow Elisha to take that offering was God was not in covenant with Naaman did you get that he was in covenant with Elisha and because of that he was not going to allow Naaman in any way to be a part of his own healing so he said to him I don't want your money. I don't want your gold. I don't want your ten changes of clothes. He said, I don't need none of this. I don't want none of this because there's another issue here. Covenant issue. And when Naaman chased that chariot, he violated the covenant. He should have never been leprous, but he ended up leprous. You say, well, what point are you trying to make with that? We have a covenant with God through Jesus Christ. You don't have a covenant with God outside of Jesus. That's right. Let me say that again. You don't have, let me try it like this. You don't have a covenant with God outside of the Word. Because Jesus is the Word, was the Word, forever will be the Word. So you have no covenant with Him outside of the Word. And people are always trying, well, you know, that really doesn't matter. I, I don't know about that word stuff, but, but, you know, God can do anything he wants to, anytime. He works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. You never know what God will do. That's not true. Right. That may sound religious, but that is not true. God does exactly what he says he's going to do. God does, exactly, does it exactly how he says he's going to do it. And outside of that, you're on your own, buddy. That's why you've got to be a stickler for the Word of God and a stickler for the leadership of the Holy Ghost in your life. Because if you will, then God will lead you right into His blessings that belong to you by the covenant you're in with Him through Jesus Christ and His blood. Amen? Amen. It's really that simple. Just do it God's way. You say, well, I don't know God's way. That's why you come to church. That's why you study. That's why you pray. To find out not only the general way that it works for everybody, but the specific way it will work for you in your specific situation. Now, let me say this. I I, I know I've already closed my last closing. It's time. I want to tell you this by the Holy Ghost. Lord, put this strongly in my spirit today. That's why I taught this tonight. It's time for some of you to quit waiting on God to do something. Amen. Yeah. You've been waiting and, waiting and 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 waiting. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. Hey, quit and wait. God's already done it. Yeah. Yeah. And if there's a problem in reception, it's not on His part. Right. Right. You know, if you're sitting there watching television, listening to your radio or doing something on your computer and the power goes out your computer's not working your television isn't on your radio's not playing so you call up the company and say hey I'm telling you there's something wrong with your business something wrong with your company the problem's not with the sender first thing they're going to ask you is this did you pay your bill Well, no, we didn't pay for three or four months. We had other things to do with our money. Oh, really? Look out there on the pole. Was there a red tag? Yeah. That's why you don't have television. That's why you don't have radio. That's why you don't have internet. Oh, you mean the company didn't go out of business? No. And God hadn't gone out of business. Amen. Check on the receiving end because that's the only end that can be messed up. The giving in is not messed up. It's the receiving in that gets messed up. Work on the receiving in. Is it your thoughts? Is it anger? Is it the drama that you're a part of? See, Gehazi entered right into that drama. That's what he did. Entered right into it. Cost him everything. Some of you just need the drama to get out of your life. Because when it comes down to receiving, it's you and God. It's you and God. You and the word that you have received. You and the anointing that's upon your life. You and the revelation that you have. And the simplicity in which God has given us to receive. If it was hard to receive, none of us would have anything. But it's not hard. It's easy. And God wants to make it easier. Amen. Lift your hands and worship the Lord tonight. Father, we worship you. Lord, we glorify your name. Oh, we worship you, Lord Jesus. How we magnify you tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For your grace and your mercy. Oh, Jesus, we magnify your name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I like that. How many have you ever heard this phrase? The devil's in the details. Boy, that's about a true phrase. You say, why? Why? The enemy wants to make it so complicated with all these details. Now, let me say this by the Spirit. I don't know who this is for, but you may be facing something right now that you're trying to look beyond your current situation and think, what's going to happen down here? You need to quit doing that because that's going to drive you crazy. I remember my first couple of weeks of Bi- in Bible school back in, way back in 1985 and thinking, what, how am I going to get through this? You know how I ended up getting through it? One day at a time. One step at a time. Quit looking for 40 steps to take when you just need one. I've always, years ago, God gave me this illustration. It's one of the best illustrations I ever got. Walking in faith is like driving your car with your lights on. Most of us don't live, you know, right here so we have to get in our vehicle and we drive to wherever we live I have about a five minute drive to get home so I get in my vehicle and I cut on my lights and my lights only go about here from here to the back wall what's that maybe 50 feet and they end that's where the light ends so if I were to sit there in the parking lot and go man it's dark out here I got on the lights but all I can see is to the stop sign over here to the the stop light I'd sit there all night till the sun came up before I went home, afraid to move because the light wasn't moving, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to take my truck and I'm going to put it in D, because I notice when I put it in D, it goes forward, but this is the phenomena that I've realized over the years. When I start moving, the light starts moving, and as long as I'm moving, the light moves out in front. try that again as long as i move the light moves out in front and that's where you want it to move is out in front so all i have to do is follow the light and it could be the darkest night of the year no moon cloudy skies raining you name it the light will get me where i need to go all i got to do is go to the end of the light because when i get to the end of the light then that much more light is provided Some of y'all need to get that. You say, what do you mean? Take yourself out of park and go to the end of your light. And you will find out when you get to the end of your light, guess what? There's that much more light available. And you go to the end of that that light, there's that much. And every once in a while, God will let you put on the brights. (laughs) Which does what? Raises the light. Did you know it raises the light? And you can see even further and brighter. But you got to get going. It's hard to steer a parked car. <laughs> I mean, you got to say, I'm going to take a right turn. All right? You're not going to do it till it gets started, until you get moving. So get started. I say, get started. And get moving. And God's blessing will be in your journey into the light. Amen? Lift your hands up and thank the Lord one more time. Lord, we thank you. Stand on your feet if you will. Father, we glorify your name. We exalt you in the house tonight. Thank you for the light that the entrance of your word brings light and life to us. Thank you for our thoughts being right, for our actions being right, that anger will not keep us from receiving from you, Lord. Thank you tonight that your blessing is upon us. Now, Lord, as we leave tonight, as is our tradition, we claim the protection and safety afforded us by your word. G- declaring no evil befalls us. No plague comes near our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We as your people walk upon serpents and scorpions over all power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm us. Therefore, as we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, or the railways, we are kept safe and protected by God. Father, we also thank you that in the righteous labor of our hands, as we handle the resource that you have given us, we thank you, Father, That we are blessed, not subject to trauma, terror, accidents, evil plans of wicked men or Satan himself. Thank you for the door of utterance. Let evangelism burn in our hearts. Let us compel them to come to the house of God. Let us be a witness everywhere we go. Let your words be in our mouth. Let your actions be in our hands and feet. Let us be an answer to people's prayer, a problem to the adversary, and a miracle in someone's life. Lord, as we leave tonight, we walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. Lord, we leave as walking in love one toward another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Don't forget. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.